about something God's had on my heart. You know, Eric's told us to come forward and put your name on the list. You've got something stirring in you. And so it was weeks ago, you know, we've all gotten in line. We all throw our name in there and get a date. And so it's been weeks. You know, really, you don't know when and you get the date. So you kind of start looking forward. But it was, it was weeks ago. And so it was a germinating seed uh, for all this time, you know. And then tonight, Kelsey said part of it, Bob said part of it, Eric was beating it like a drum Sunday, man. And it's like, you know, you know, you know you're hearing the word, you're getting your antennas up and it's receiving. When you feel the stirring in you, you know there's something you need to say. And then other people start saying, you go, Oh, yes, thank you, Lord. I mean, to me, that's that's it. That's sweetness. That's the whole thing. If I can hear I can hear from God because sometimes in my life when I had problems, it was because I didn't know how to hear or I wasn't listening. I didn't know how to hear. And then when I could hear, I would, my little rambling mind, my little ADD mind would go zing somewhere else. And I would miss, he's, Stephen, I'll go, yeah, I'll be right back. And that didn't work out real good. <laughs> I can tell you lots of stories about how that didn't work out real good. That, I mean, if your child did that to you, what would you do? I'll just wait right here. They're going to go touch that hot stove. They'll come running back screaming. I'll put some salve on them. We'll heal them up. They'll get better, but they got to go touch the stove. Okay. <laughs> and, as, and go put your hand in the van. I keep telling you. <laughs> and, you know, okay. Got that over with. <laughs> But uh, tonight is uh, December 22nd, Wednesday, and the word that God gave me is the honey and the rock. The honey and the rock. So pretty much what you just saw, the kids putting that money in there, that's honey. God's word, this word, that's honey. And Jesus is the rock. So that's pretty much it. Thank you for coming. <laughs> and you know that's crazy because Eric said I could go like, oh no. <laughs> but the honey and the rock, I, you know, I've been, you know, when God first put that on my heart one day, I was the honey and the rock. So, so I started getting a shape about what he wanted me to say and how, how it worked. And I went online, I kept looking everywhere. I've looked everywhere for honey wafers, because, you know, when the Hebrew children were taught in the first schools, when they would tell them the word of God, they would put that honey wafer on their tongue. So then they would taste the honey, and the word would stick. It's a powerful connection between taste, smell, and action. You remember, that's why they did it. I finally found them in Illinois, somewhere right outside of Naperville, West. Honey, kosher, honey, honey wafer, kosher wafers, and they didn't get here today. <laughs> so we'll have them at some point in the future. We'll have honey wafers, and they have chocolate ones too. But uh, yeah, so they're eight inches in diameter, and they said when they have a tasting show, they go somewhere, they cut it with a pizza cutter, and I really wanted to do that because this is powerful. When you connect, I want to give it to the kids as they did that. This is this is what we learn. This is how we learn. We associate the good things with the good things that happen. I mean, we we are connected. We're wired like that. God knew what He was doing when He set that up. I wanted to. Uh, to start by kind of uh, telling you something that's been going on with us in, our, in, in my heart and on my mind and in our church. Um, recently, and, and Eric's going to talk to you more about this at some point in greater detail, but Eric and Matt um, 
and their families have been discussing the way a church grows and the way a church lives and the way a church organizes itself. And based on what we've been in, based on what we've seen, based on what we see out there today, there's a lot of opportunity to fail. There's a lot of examples of how to do this wrong. And let me tell you something. What that just became is tithe. That is holy. That's going to do something powerful for the Lord. That, that change in the bottom of that water jug. What you do when you're an authority in a church, how you touch that, how you touch the people who come in this door, how you touch his sheep, who he draws forth, is of the utmost seriousness. You know, we've been taught, you've read, that the pastor has a double enforcement of responsibility. And when he runs that race properly and he gets to the end, here, here she he. And he gets to the end, he stands before the Lord, and the Lord looks at his work, and the Lord approves of that work, and says, yep, you did the best you could with what I gave you, and you always, you never gave up, you always tried. Yes, you did good. So the pastor would then get a double reward. But you got to fight to get there. You have to do a lot of things, and you got to pour out your life. So Eric and Matt and their families are looking at this. Now, everyone who's sitting here, I would, where I lost my place, where I wanted to show you and tell you, I counted the chairs in here tonight. There are 73 chairs in here. Joy and I put out tonight. So we counted 73. The entire nation of Israel, when Joseph sent back to uh, the land of the Canaanites, I guess where um, his father was, and got his brothers and fathers and told them all, come over here to Egypt, I got something for you. They were 70, 70. The entire nation of Israel fit in this room. So God doesn't need a lot. That's a good word. But he needs he needs something. Now, our men's group, the Gideon 300, how many men do you remember, anyone that read the Judges, where Gideon was told, go out and get a bunch of men? How many men was it in the beginning? Thousands. 30,000. 30,000. It got down to 300. God didn't need a lot of people to do what he wanted to do. But every one of those men were qualified. There was a qualification that they showed him. It wasn't the fight they talked about. It wasn't how they sharpened their swords and how fast their horse was. It was one thing that he told Gideon, watch for. When they bent down and drank the water a certain way and kept their eyes on a swivel and were watching out for the camp and everybody and got their water, those were the guys he, he chose. That's what God wanted. There was a qualification for that. But they were drawn to that place. They were drawn to volunteer. They were drawn by God to be there. But then they then they were picked out and they were qualified. You were drawn here. You were drawn here. Half these chairs are empty tonight. We have people traveling. We have people uh, sick. And we have people doing different things. So half of us are not here. And, and yet, God, this is who God drew here tonight. This is all God needs to do what he wants to do. I was listening to my iPod today while I was digging in the Word to get some of the things I wanted to talk about. And my iPod was on shuffle all. Everything in my iPod was on shuffle. And I usually have it on a gospel mix, shuffle. And it shuffled to Brad Lightly. And I got to sit and listen while I was digging in the Word in my Bible program that Eric so gracefully allowed me to put on my computer. Uh, 
<laughs> because I need it. It's, it's really, uh, really, really necessary. Um, Brad Lively comes on. He's talking. He's he's talking. And and it was a couple of years ago that Brad was here, right? And it was just like it was yesterday. It was just like he's standing right here, right now. I can remember him and hear him. And he was talking about, and you know Brad Lively, you know, he was saying, you never give up. You never stop. You never give up. And those words, he's so sincere. He really is a sincere guy. So somewhere, two years from now, Brad Lively will stumble upon this message. And I want to tell you, Brad, I love you. And because uh, I found his, so he'll find my God will do that. And don't forget the way back to Sugarland. And don't forget the way back to Sugarland. But um, I mean, God, God, God appoints these things. That was a God-appointed thing while I was sitting there thinking about what I was going to do tonight. But going back to what, what I was telling you about the church, the organization of the church, Matt and Eric have decided they're going to organize this church in a different way. And what they've done is they brought my family and Abel's family to the table, the elders. And they have they have laid out the books of the church to us. And they have said to Abel and myself and our wives, we will now corporately be responsible for this church. This is not a one pastor deal. Even though we've done it unusually well as two pastors, which nobody seems to be able to do, we're going to broaden this out. There is very, there is tremendous health. It is so healthy to do this. What's going to happen when you do this? You're showing love, you're showing trust, you're showing involvement, and you're opening the door. When you open the door, you're you're sowing into God's plan. God's going to open the door here. This is really God ordained. This is going to be exciting. Abel and I are your elders. And we talk about very serious things. We have pretty weighty discussions. Like recently, I said, uh, hey, uh, what you got that chair over there empty? You wait for Elijah? And he said, no, not really. I said, uh, he said, but Elijah got taken away by a chariot. I said, yeah. You know, uh, Elijah, I mean, he had birds feed him. and I mean, he couldn't have been that big. Man. I mean, if that chariot came down for us, do you think he could get us off the ground? And Abel said, no, I'm thinking Duramax. He said, it'd have to be a big chariot. See, Abel and I have these deep discussions. But we, we love each other. We get along really well. We can talk like that. We can joke around. And yet, it's a very serious thing and a joyful thing that we're about to, uh, to take part in. I want to talk about a couple of things that the honey and the rock. I want to talk about a couple of things that God's put on my heart. <coughs> Who here knows how they got here? What, what drew you here? John. Jesus. Jesus, that's right. Jesus drew you in. Crawfish. Crawfish boil. That's something. Okay, that works in fact. But, but Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, drew you to a place and He touched you. And you knew something was different. And you knew there was something fresh and clean and different here that you had never seen people like you had ended up at that crawfish boil with. And the more you hung around with them, the more you realized this is something I have never seen and it's something that's stirring something inside of me. I'm, 
you know, John, I'm Buddhist. Uh, my wife and I are from an Asian culture. One is Buddhist. One is Buddhist. And one was. 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 But what John did was accept the calling of the Holy Spirit. Everyone here, everyone here has accepted that calling. At some point, we were all changed. You can think back. You know where it was. You know when it was. I know when it was. When I knew there was something different going on here. And then, so you you want to find people who are like that. And, and, and in this case, we were all here. And so we, we just start getting closer and closer. We become a family. Can, uh, John, can you read Matthew 16, starting in the 16th verse for me? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus re replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Now when I asked, who here can tell me what drew them here? You raise your hand to me. You knew that very same word that God gave to Peter, God gave to you. And you knew you had been called to something different. And Jesus is telling Peter here something very important. Now, this is how, this is, now this is why Eric and Matt are doing this with this church. This is how things get really screwed up if you're not very careful. The prosperity gospel is just kind of crazy for a lot of reasons. Here's why. In the Amplified Version, it says, and I tell you, you, I tell you, you are Peter, Greek, Petros, a large piece of rock. A large piece of rock. And on this rock, Greek, Petra, a huge rock like the rock of Gibraltar, like that big rock, a solid big rock I'm going to build, I will build my church in the gates of Hades and powers of the infernal regions shall not overpower or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. So uh, a whole massive body of people on this earth belong to a certain religion that they said, oh, that guy Peter, oh, he's, he's now deified. Jesus is going to build a thing on him and that's going to be the church. And he's our first leader. He was 400 years dead when they decided this. But they elected him this in abstention, I guess. And then decided that one of them who was living would go after Peter and be the next leader. Next rock. Because they decided that's what this said. That's not what this said. Now, we're all pretty smart people here. We're seeing this. I mean, did you, did you read that you should go out and start a church based on a guy named Peter? No, and Peter didn't think that either. And Jesus wasn't telling Peter that. 
But Jesus was telling him, on this foundation, I will build something that will stand. And that is his bride, that's his church, that's honey, that's honey. And so, Matt and Eric are now making decisions like that. They read this word, they believed it, they said, let's go to Sugarland, Texas. So they went to Sugarland, Texas, so they devoted their families, their time, their wealth, their health, and every bit of spare time they got to meeting in our, our houses. Matt's house, Eric's house, and our garages, and their garages. And then when we could finally, when that tabernacle joined our lap today, we remember when Eric's garage got to the point where children were sitting on the floor and there weren't enough seats for the adults, then that tabernacle was too small. We had to, we had to get a bigger tent. And we, by faith, all of us, came here and took this old beauty shop and turned it into this place. And then by faith, turned that old insurance place into a, a child's place. You know, so by faith, these things are done. And by faith, they keep going. Faith, it's in, the, in my Hebrew Bible I read all the time, is trust. Trust is honey. Trust is sweet. God's word is sweet. His word is never never goes bad. I was reading honey is the one food that will never go bad. They found 2,000 year old honey in Egyptian tombs that will still be <coughs> Unless you leave it up to the air then it ferments. And it makes something to call me. <laughs> and I think we can drink it. So Either way it's not a bad thing. But uh, there was a website I went to I'm looking for honey wafers to find it website devoted to honey and a lot of it was there they had to be Jewish because a lot of it was biblical references um, John the Baptist survived on honey and locust now Joy could probably hang with the locust part most of us would just you know, have honey but I mean honey, honey and God honey and God go together and everything that God has is sweet but we don't always treat it that way sometimes we treat it a little differently some of the things that uh, that we do, we're not sure why we do. We've had bad examples, bad teaching. We lost our way. But one of the things that God has done for us is that he's given us a chance to do it better. And he's given us a chance to make decisions based on good, sound knowledge. And what he wants us to do is he wants to love us to love everything that he puts in our path. And he wants us to do it with our whole heart, everything we've got. And then if we will do that, he adds in everything else that we need. Each one of us know that. We know that it's not us making anything work. You know you. I know me. I know it's not me. But God somehow finds something in me that's worth saving. Something he made that he likes. And then he does these crazy things. Like when I was a bad kid and I heard him and I didn't listen and I said, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Things went really, really bad. I got to a point where I said, I'm not doing that again. You know, I did finally learn. I'm not totally stupid. Stupid is when you do it over and over again. Crazy is when you think you can get a good result. So I decided, okay, I'm not going in. And um, God moved us, you know, to Chicago. And God moved us here. And I'm diligently seeking and seeking and seeking. 
I'm a little different though. I think differently. I am. I just really am. I think differently about stuff. I know. I mean, I, 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 accept, I accept that fact. I mean, I, in where I work and in life, where I walk through the world, I'm just a little different. I'm not sure. To me, it seems so normal, but it just catches people by surprise. But it really does. But um, so, so I learned. Now, when you turn from your own selfishness and you turn towards God's honey and you start focusing on it, it takes time. It takes a little time. You got to be like, you know, really dedicated to this because you're not going to hear loud words in your ear right away, you know. But sooner or later, God's going to talk to you and you're going to say, wait a minute, I don't think that was a stray thought. I need to test this out. Amen. Then you get stronger and stronger that. Then, if you're like me, you'll get bold in it. You guys are going to be bold in it. You'll be bold in it. And if you, you know, if it doesn't turn out exactly like you thought, God's still got your back. But if it is what He's telling you to do, and you step out into it, that's adventure. That is surfing with Jesus. That is the most exciting thing in the world. That is the most exciting thing in the world. When you hear from God, you go, man, I don't know. But I'm going to jump. Whoa, that's Jesus talking to me. What else you got? And then it's silent. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, when we were, when I was in the oil spill, we had, God gave me this thing where I thought everybody could see this. So I might have told you all that when I prayed, God, show me some Christians. He started showing up. So we would pray. I thought they were seeing what I was seeing. What I was seeing was an incredible battle of light and dark. I mean, it was demonic forces against angelic forces clashing everywhere I went. There was lust and anger and greed and, and goodness and mercy. It just, it was, I could see this every day, all day. I thought the other Christians could see it, but they couldn't. I found out later, they couldn't see it. But because they had to figure, they didn't know me, right? They just met me. Now I am their boss at this point, so they have to listen to me. But there's something a little crazy about this guy, because... I'm telling them, they would come to me and this guy, I found out something bad was going on. We had some terrible politics. I found out a police lieutenant who I had in my security thing was stealing stuff. And there was a guy, that, a Christian guy that I prayed with that was over the area where the stuff was being stolen. So one day I said, hey, um, anything odd going over there your part of the world? Nope, everything's great. Very good. You missing anything? Why? Did you hear about something? I said, yeah. I heard this. And the guy goes, yeah, I didn't want to tell you about that. Why didn't you want to tell me about that, brother? He said, because I'm trying to protect you. I said, "Are you?" I mean, he's entirely serious. He's not kidding. He's not making this up. I said, you're trying to protect me? Yes, because the person who stole it is a powerful guy politically in this area. And if you go after him, I know you. You go, you'll just go right after him and they're coming after you. And the word's already spread because he got caught doing it. He said, well, if I go down, everybody goes down, blah, blah, blah. He said, I'm just not letting that happen to you. I said, hmm, what do you think about stealing? Man, is that good or bad? Well, it's bad. I said, what do you think we ought to do about it? I just told you, I think we ought to just watch him close. I said, nope. Mm -mm. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to shine a big spotlight on it. And all the cockroaches are going to run. <laughs> he said, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> that's what I thought you would do. And look, I'm begging you, please. There's forces and powers. And I said, hey, I got something bigger than that. 
Because immediately when he told me that, the Holy Spirit rose up in me and said, no. I said, we got Jesus, brother. We got the Holy Spirit. What's that guy got? He's lost. You know, he's stealing suntan oil. He was stealing suntan oil and giving it to his his uh, daughter's cheerleaders camp. And he got caught. Yeah, I said, this is a police lieutenant. You can go to Walmart and buy all this stuff. So so I said, okay, that's it. It's done. So I called in the chief of police and the deputy chief of police and the mayor. And I said, hey, guess what? That's just not going to, that ain't going to happen. Sorry, you're going to take him out of here. And if there's a political issue, you need to tell me now. And they all went, thank God, no, we hate this. No, we, we don't. They strongly dislike this guy. He gives us all the time, but we never could catch him. But if you're saying, I said, I'm saying, they said, done. And this guy was just amazed. He got escorted away from the place. They took his ID. And he, he had cronies inside of there in my operation. And they all tried for a while to work it out. And they finally turned their back on him like, that ain't worth it. And they came over to the good side. But we saw these things. See, that's honey. That's honey. God gives you the wisdom. God gives you the internal compass. God gives you the guidance. God gives you the basic foundation, the rules to work this out. But you gotta be a little bold. You gotta be a little crazy. Because if you don't, you're gonna sit in the same old place, listen to the same old thing, get the same old reaction, nowhere. But if you will step out, Jesus is looking for those 300 that took care of the camp while they got the water. Jesus is looking for the people that will take care of what he gives you to take care of. In this case, in this place right here that we're in, he has given us this building. It's our responsibility now to keep this building open. We, we don't always do that very well. And that's why I wanted those children to put those coins in that thing. You see, that's honey. You know, that's honey. Watching those children have fun doing that and they remember that. And we need to inter- encourage them to do this all the time, but we need to encourage ourselves too. There's a, there, in my in-depth investigation of things for this, for this time, I, I came across a little-known thing, and uh, I don't think anybody's seen this, but um, just like Kelsey was saying. They had fished all night, and in their own strength, they hadn't caught anything. Now, if you've been fishing all night, anybody ever fish all night and not catch anything? I have. Mm-hmm. Now, it's daylight, it's getting hot, and I'm tired. I've been working all night. I've been mosquito bit, and I've been, you know, goofing off maybe, but I'm now tired, and I, but I didn't catch anything, and that's what I got to eat, and I was going to sell that to buy some food, and now I'm hungry, and my family's just, we're going to have to stretch that flour and oil for a while. And he says, throw your net over one more time. When the master of the universe said, go one more time, Peter said, yes, sir. And another thing happened. Every fish in that lake headed for that net. Only the ones that could get there first got in there. The net was so heavy it was breaking. They were still trying to get in the net. When Jesus says, go, everything moves. There was another time that you have to have that faith. This is this I've been thinking about this for days, and it's amazing when you sit up and down wow. There was another time. They had to have a coin for tax purposes. They had to have some money for taxes. So he says, Go over there, throw your dad out. When you find that fish, open up his mouth, there's a piece of gold in there. Bring that. Really? Really? 
go find a fish with a piece of gold in its mouth to pay your taxes. Listen, that was not some stupid parlor trick. He did that for us right here today. He wanted to show us that if we're all so worried about all this stuff, don't be silly. Be obedient. No, that's right. Go get the fish. That'll be there. The coin will be in its mouth, man. Don't, don't get so hung up about all this stuff. But we do. But we do. And it's our nature. We do. We, we have this tendency to want to protect ourselves, take care of ourselves. But we will miss the gift that he's trying to give us, the honey, if we do that. If you will uh, turn with me to Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse 6. I, I, I keep getting brought back to this verse in the Bible and it just appalls me every time I say it. But on Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias asked for John the Baptist's head and she was given that uh, for a gift. What a horrible thing to such a good man. You know, making straight the path of the Lord and um, this this person did this. So Jesus, verse, verse 13, Jesus heard what had happened and he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. I love Jesus. He gets in a boat. I would get in a boat. I love Jesus. <laughs> hearing this, the crowds hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot. Jesus is in the lake. And all these people are like, whoa, Jesus. And they start running from the towns. The towns are, hey, Jesus is in the boat. And they all, you know, take off. Jesus had this incredible magnetic personality, you know, obviously. He was the love and the light of the universe. And he looked like a normal guy. He wasn't pretty. Isaiah talks about him. He had no distinguishing thing about him. But boy, people just wanted to get close to him. Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Wherever he went, see, he had free health care. If you didn't live in the palace, you didn't get free health care. And so people were bringing their little babies and their mamas and carrying daddy on a stretcher and lowering them down through the ceiling everywhere he went. And they, Jesus can heal hurry, let's go, because nobody else is going to do this. Driving out demons, healing people. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now, we're going to go down to the bottom here in a minute, and it says there were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So if there's 5,000 men and women and children... <coughs> 15,000 or better people on the side of this hillside on this like amphitheater you can picture on this lake, you know? Now, I'm from Louisiana. When we go out in the woods, we go running out to follow somebody or do something, we usually bring something to eat. Do you think everybody in that crowd left without putting something in their pocket to eat? I don't think so. I got to think about this. 15,000 people, somebody had something to eat. You don't run out down the road to nowhere, not know where you're going, without putting a little bread in your pocket or something. Whatever they have, you know, <laughs> fried fish or something, you know. But um, 
you know, <laughs> the disciples, the disciples are just like us, and they go, man, there's just too many people here. Jesus, why don't you they listen to you? Why don't you? They ran all out here. Send them, send them home before it's too late. And he says, really? Now, right about that time, here's the thing that I found that not a lot of people know about. There was a family there, a small family. There was a guy named Baruch, and everybody called him Barry, for sure, of course. So Barry and his wife Bathsheba, because after King David, Bathsheba was a really popular name, and all the little girls named Bathsheba. You got all Bathsheba in the 1500s. And they had their children with them, because they had they heard about Jesus, and they ran out to be with Jesus. So there's Barry and Bathsheba, and little Aaron, and little Miriam, and little Esther, and then the baby, little Willie. So the Baruch Nelsonberg and his kids were there, and they were just having this conversation, kind of like, kind of like what you know, the disciples had figured out, man. You know, it's getting late. It's time to eat. Nobody's got food for very few people have food. And so Bathsheba is telling. She's tugging on. They're really close, right there by the side by the disciples of Jesus. She's tugging on Barry's cloak. She's going, hey, hey, hey. And he goes, what? And she says, hey, listen. I know you. I hear what's going on. And you will take our last unleavened lamb jerky. And you will give it to them to eat. And we have these children here, and we only have enough unleavened lamb jerky for us. And I know you, you'll give it away. And he goes, Well, why didn't we follow him down here? And she's going, No, no, no. Nope. We've got little Willie Nussenberg and these kids. We've got these kids. I know you, you'll give away our last unleavened lamb jerky. And no, don't do it. And they're having this discussion. But about that time, Jesus says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And the disciples go, us? He says, he says yeah. And they said, look, we only got a little kid there. Had five loaves of bread and two fish. Now a kid, a little kid, out of all those 15,000 people says, hey, here's mine. The heart of a child. The heart of a child. That's awesome. You know those people had something stuck in their pockets. Mm -hmm. And he said, here, take mine. Jesus said, that's all I need. Thank you very much. It was a gift given in love with pure trust and nothing expected in return. And Jesus said, I can handle that. I can work with that. And so he divided it out, and it just kept coming. I'd love to have seen that. Maybe one day he'll show that to us. Amen. I'd love to see the movie. we got to put ourselves mm -hmm. in that position when we'll see it. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the next step. That's exactly right. And that's where Eric's going. That's where Matt's going. And that's where a lot of us in here are going to serve with him. Because this is what, this word was written for us. This word is honey, and it never changes. This word, I open it up, and I get something new out of it every day. If you open Gone with the Wind to page 59, it's going to be the same every day. But I open this up, and there's something different in the same place every day. God... You cannot understand this word without the Holy Spirit. Amen. I just do not believe you will have the code to understand this word without the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important 
When he knocks and you say, there's something stirring here, you accept. And then he changes you and he gives you gifts because you of a clear heart have stepped forward and said, I'm, I'm deficient. I need something. I need help here. And then he starts to fill us. Do you remember how you were before he did that? Do you remember? I was so terribly. I wouldn't have wanted you to know that me then, you know? I was terribly deficient. And I'm still working hard not to be terribly deficient. I'm really working hard now to, to, to do what Jesus wants so that he will talk to me. And I will hear him, and he will say, that's right there, it's all I need. Just pick up those loaves and fishes and give them to me. Because we will, by our very nature, we will try to protect ourselves. And by the very nature of God, that doesn't work. So when, I want you to think about this. In the Word it says, someday you will know as you are known. You ever, you ever think about that? You will know as you are known. You know what? Eric was doing a really neat thing with the military, the war, how to share in war. We share food, we share water, we share ammunition. And in this life, in this gathering, in this body, in the book of Acts, church, the first thing they did when the Holy Spirit came upon them was they shared. wonder why that was. Because God was opening up their minds and their hearts and sharing with them. And they were so happy. They were so happy together. To give everything. It didn't mean anything. If I could just be with y'all, I just want to be with y'all. Can I be one of your number? Can I share this with you? God wants us to drop the protection of ourselves and come with Him. Because if you think about it in a military way, can you tell the difference between a private and a general? Oh, yeah. How? You can see their rank. Does a private have the same thing a general gets? No way. Believe me. So, you will know as you are known. I think there will be, when you are standing before God and you are in that number, you now live with God and you're, you're helping God rule the earth and bring this whole mess back into line. I believe that there will be different designations to show what authority you have. The robes inside the, the children of Israel showed the Levites had a certain thing. Other, every tribe had their own marks. Certain people had certain access. Certain didn't by what they wore. I believe that we will have, you will know as you are known. And it will be based on your ability to give everything you've got, just like he did, so that he can give you everything and say, come with me. Now in those days, when he brings everything back into submission for a thousand years, we will rule and reign with Christ in a glorified body. He walked through walls, he appeared, he disappeared, he did all that stuff. You will do that too. Your body will do that too. Now, in the day, there's a secret meeting going over in uh, Sudan someplace, and they're plotting on, we don't want to go to Jerusalem once a year and pay homage to this Yamashia, whoever he is. So we're going to just do this. Jesus is going to say, go walk through those walls and break that meeting up. Crash them like punch jars. The iron rod to a clay pot. Go break that up. And then the, the, the people of God will walk right up into their secret meeting and go, hey, ain't going to happen. Jesus says, this comes to a stop now, and he will bring all things into position. Now, in that day, if you were with the Apostle Paul, and you will know him, him as he is known, he will have certain authorities because of who he is. He walked a really, really strong walk, man. We all know it. 
we all admire. If you were with him, you think he would run up to the door where they are? Just give that thing a Chuck Norris kick and get the door down. Come up in there, throw his fist down on him. You think he would? No. He won't. He's a sweet, sweet man. He spent lots of years getting rid of that. He spent lots of years getting rid of his shell, of protecting himself, of exerting his own power. And he said, he said, more of you, Lord, less of me. More of you, less of me. And the more he did that, the healthier he got. He was being beaten. He was being starved. He was cold. He was hot. He was naked. He was thirsty. But he was healthier and healthier and healthier until he went to stand before the Lord. And now he's healthy forever. That's our goal. That's where we have to go. We cannot do that unless we really believe that this is honey. Jesus is the rock. This word is the rock. This word is honey. It's referred to as the rock. It's referred to as honey. But the true, the true honey that keeps us together is our ability to put ourselves aside. And this church is about to go in a direction where we will put ourselves aside. You guys are about to put your, yourselves aside. You're going off deeper into ministry. You know what that means. It means less of you and more of whoever needs you, whatever they need, when they need it, however they need it, for however long they need it. Forever. It's hard, man. I watch Eric and Matt. And we had a meeting, and he sat and told us, this is hard but I want to open this up to you. And he gave us an opportunity to say if we wanted that or not. And we said, yeah, we do. We'll leave. We want it. And we don't quite understand it like Eric and Matt do. Being able, we'll learn. You're going to learn. Whoever picks up that challenge, whoever picks up that call from the Holy One receives the honey of His presence forever and ever and ever. So through the trials, you learn. I'm okay, I'm not comfortable, so what? And you know, I don't know if I've got enough money to do this and that too. I'll do I'll do the church thing later, because i got to take care of this right now. I'm just saying, please consider that God could go get a fish to spit out a gold coin. He did. What if they would have taken that gold coin and invested it in land in, in the Middle East and said one day, you know, God knows where all the oil is, diamonds and everything is, and one day he turned that over to us because over the centuries had developed so much wealth from it. He didn't do that. He only ministered three years on this earth, and that, and Eric brought this up the other day. Three years, and then he's gone, and he says, you guys can handle it. The Holy Spirit's enough for you. It's better that I go now because the Holy Spirit's going to come show you how to do this. The Holy Spirit constantly tells you, don't worry. Just lay it out there. Be crazy. Come surf with me. Come on. And listen, I promise you, I tell you, you're crazy, brother, to you personally. This is amazing stuff. And it's the only good thing in life. It's the only thing worth having. It's the only life worth having. In our home recently, we have fought some huge battles. Now, we we fought, but God God won the battle. I mean, we we struggled. We flopped around and freaked out. But we 
we we tried it. You know, we did it the best way we knew how. We got into the Word and we prayed and had everybody pray with us and for us, and we took it head on. And you don't you don't know exactly. You know what what do I do here? How does this work? Because it doesn't work the same for everybody. Jesus is different with each of us. We've seen people heal the things right here and walk away. But he didn't do that. And we're like, wow, he didn't do that. We've got to walk this out now. We've got to walk this out. Okay, he thinks we can do it. And we got down into it. Because that's where we were. And he showed us something. He showed us honey. You know, he showed us things about forgiveness, about forgiving ourselves, about forgiving others, forgiving each other. Yeah, that was honey. We needed that honey. So now he's got our feet on the road to hell. But he needed to take us down into a place first where we had to slough off a little bit more of us. We had to, if we couldn't let go of it, he's going to help shake it off of us. Jesus truly believes, he really believes that we, we love him and he wants to help us. And we're really trying hard to hold on to that. But the way you will never hold on to it is to try to protect yourself. You've got to let it go. So anyway, that's good word. I could go on for a long time. I'm really excited about this, but it's 9 o'clock and it's time for everybody to go home. <laughs> I experienced that all the time. <laughs> <coughs> I want to tell you a few things that I got out of this message for us to close. You stand on the rock, Revelation. Whatever it is, whatever area it is, when you treat what God has shown you with an ownership of seriousness that says, I'm going to stake my life on what He's shown me, anything that comes your way then becomes honey. Because you are where He's called you to be. You're doing what He's told you to do. It becomes honey then instead of drudgery. The alternative to that, by the way, is to stand in fear of it. Fear His will for you. Fear your choices. Fear your will for you. The only honey left in life is to be where He's told you to be doing what He's told you to be doing. Mm-hmm. Know that. You have to sacrifice your will to His. Very in Bathsheba Nelsonburg. <laughs> I had an album called Half Nelson. I didn't know it meant half Jew. Barry and Bathsheba Nelsonburg, they missed out. And they missed out because selfishness blinded them to the real blessing. The real blessing was not in the lamb jerky. It was in learning to give away something. The reality of the Bible is if Moses' mama hung on to that baby, she would have lost him. But in giving him away, she got a savior of the world. The reality of the scripture is is if Mary tried to control Jesus, and she did once, if she fought to keep him, she would have lost him. But in giving him away, she got the savior of the world. The reality of the scripture is that what you try to hold in your hand, you'll lose. What you put in his hands, you will never lose. I got an encouragement to be bold enough to risk what I already had to get what only God can give me. I want to ask you, you'd be bold enough to answer the call. Where is revelation coming to you? Where do you need to stand on a rock so that your life can become more honey and less thorns? 
this is a season where people are going to give gifts. And we're going to try, they say things like, well, it's more blessed to give than receive. But you've carefully counted your gifts to make sure no child got more than another. You've made sure nobody at the house didn't have one gift. All of those things, because we don't really believe it's more blessed to give than receive. I encourage you to let a revelation get into you. I went to Mexico with $227 from this church. I spent almost 1000 That could only come from one place. The salary that we're supposed to be laying up for us in January. <laughs> you know why we did it? Because I've staked my life on a revelation. A rock. And it's honey. And I would never in a million years trade that, no matter what it cost me. The reason that I wouldn't is I'm seeing people get out of wheelchairs. What is it costing you to play it safe? Mm -hmm. Stand up. That's perfect. By the way, it's not just wheelchairs. A few years ago, we went and prayed for an old man named Javier, a young man named Jonathan, and a mama named Maria. She couldn't see. One of those were, we prayed, and she said, well, I can see a little bit. We prayed some more, and she said, I see great. And you're like, are you just saying that to get us out of the house? Except that now it's been a couple of years, and she's not missed a church service, and she sees 2020, and where she used to have cataracts, now her eyes are perfectly clear. We serve a king who doesn't need parlor tricks. He doesn't need hyper-emotionalism. These people that believe when that becomes a rock that you've taken your stand on, life becomes heavy. And trust, trust me, we did not drive back from Mexico worried about what we did or did not have. <laughs> you know, we're not at all worried about not having what we need. What would you have paid to be there with a woman got out of the picture? What a Christmas gift. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God. Lord, I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for this brother that has delivered a fine word. Lord, we appreciate the way that you have put us all together differently. It's edifying. It's encouraging. Lord God, let us learn from one another. Let us be truly a community. But we're asking the Lord of the harvest to draw people into this place. Lord, that each family might disciple another family. Lord, that we might learn to take our stand upon the rock of your revelation and teach people to feast on the honey of heaven. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.